You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good morning. Very good to be in Lima. Thank you for for having us. It's been a long time, I think 15 or 16 years since we were here the last time, but it's good to be back. (laughs) I want to start by reading Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse 21. If you you have that on your phone or in uh, these things called a a book, a Bible, uh, you could follow along. But this is the prophet wanting us to understand God a little bit better. Hear what Isaiah has to say. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? I want to pause here. What, what does that sound like to you? To me, that sounds like my mother. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't know if you had a mom like me, but, but it's, uh, you all had a mom, I know. Uh, but it's like, Bob, how many times do I have to tell you? I mean, I don't know if you were like me, but uh, the prophet really wants us to get this, folks. He wants us to get it. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught. And he reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he on them. And they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. My, my friend Wayne Schweitzer and I, we were, we were 10 years old. And in our demented little 10-year-old brains, grasshoppers, matchbox cars, rubber bands, and firecrackers always went together. The, the prophet's telling us that, that God is, is over the earth. I mean, do you hear what he's saying? Just God is awesome. He's powerful. We're like, we're like grasshoppers. He, thankfully, <laughs> God is not a, a, a demented 10-year-old. Praise the Lord. The prophet wants us to understand how powerful God is. You don't mess with him. And and it brings hope. I mean, (laughs) he reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. What's what's happening with Russia and Ukraine is uh, it, it, it breaks our hearts. I cry practically every day. But it's it's a temporary thing. I don't tell them that. that. That would be brutal, but it's not forever, thank God. The prophet wants us to understand God is a powerful God. 
And then he goes on and he says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you see what the prophet did here? He's talking in the beginning part that I read about just how awesome and powerful God is and that you don't, you don't mess with him. And then, bam, he switches the whole thing and he says, God is the one that created the stars, every one of them. We, we can't even count them. I mean, Hubble telescope and all, we don't even know how many there are. God's got them by name. All of them. And he calls them out by name. He's an intimate God. He's personal. He knows what's going on in our minds. He, he knows what's happening in our hearts. He knows what's going on in, in Lima. Even, even Lima, God knows what's going on. Yeah, Ukraine and, and Kiev. I mean, he knows what's happening. He, he gets it. But he even knows what's happening in, in where was I last night? Elida? Elida? I mean, the big town of Elida. God's even got that one. That's what the prophet's telling us. Powerful, awesome, don't mess around. Personal, intimate, knows everything about us. How many hairs even on our heads? He's both. <laughs> He's both. I share that because of the, the story I want to share with you. Colleen and I, as, as, be, before we were ever married, we were youth pastors out in Idaho, two different churches, and a, a guy played matchmaker, and it worked. <laughs> even, even as youth pastors in the church, even, even before that, Colleen and I were convinced, still are convinced, that God was at work way ahead of us, he was at work in our lives presently now, but that he's, he was at work way ahead of us. And it was God's work that, 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 that eventually brought us together through this, this other person. And, and, and we got married. When as, as seminary students off, off to seminary to study more about, about God and, and about his word. And, and we knew that God was way ahead of us there. There were some things happening there that, we, that were just amazing. As we finished seminary, uh, right, literally right out of seminary, we were sent on a plane to, to the Philippines. We had a little baby boy with us and went to the Philippines as missionaries. For Colleen, that was, that was going home. She grew up there 35, 34 years or something like that. Her parents were career missionaries in the Philippines. We were taking our, our newly born son from, from my parents, his grandparents, to her parents, his other grandparents. God was way ahead of us. We served in the Philippines about five years as a wonderful time. God, God did some amazing things. I could tell you stories literally all day long about things that God has, has done and, and, and is continuing to do, even, even in the Philippines. I wish I had time, but we loved, in the, loved it in the Philippines. I mean, it's tropical. 
It's green year round. It's, it's warm. The, the water, you walk into the, the South China Sea, it's like a bath. I mean, you don't even have to get used to it. It's just, you walk in. It's like, it's nice. I mean, it's wonderful. We love the Philippines. During the time that we were there, the, the, the Soviet Union fell apart. They were, they were looking for, for missionaries to, to, to be long-term in, in, in different, different republics of the Soviet Union that it had broken up into. And, and they were looking for somebody in Ukraine. And they, they called us up. The, the, the guy that called us was down in India when he called us in the Philippines. The phone connection between India and the Philippines wasn't really great. And, and uh, I, got, I got home that night. Colleen said, we got this call and they want us to go to Uganda. <laughs> And, and she knew it started with a U, you know. <laughs> and uh, fi- we found out it was actually Ukraine. <laughs> um, but we, but uh, I won't go into the whole story, but God was way ahead of us leading even in that. And, and we transferred to the country of Ukraine. We were there for 17 years in Ukraine. From the Philippines to Ukraine. Nice, tropical, warm. The people, fr- I mean, just... Oh, they love life and people and to Ukraine. It's, it's colder than Lima. <laughs> so were the, we thought at the beginning, so were the people. <laughs> Man, they don't smile. They don't even look at you. And when they talk, everybody's yelling at each other. I mean, have you ever heard Russian? It's like, you know, zdrastvoitsya. That's, that's, hello, how are you? <laughs> I mean, don't you feel greeted and warm? Zdrastvoitsya. <laughs> we, we had to learn the language and, and try to understand the culture and, 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 and the, our, our kid, by the time we went to, to Ukraine, we had two boys. Robbie, Robbie was five and Michael was, was two. And, and, and coming to Lima, it's like home week. I mean, everybody here knows our son, Michael. I mean, they all went to school with him, it seems like. But it's wonderful. <laughs> it's really wonderful. Um, but but we, get, we get to Ukraine, we have these two boys. And they go play outside. We were on the third floor of a five-story building in, in this apartment. That's, that's where we were living. We lived in that same place for 17 years. And our boys, they would just go outside, little, little kids. And they're running around and they're meeting all the neighborhood friends. I mean, they're out there a couple hours, you know. They come back speaking Russian. It was disgusting. <laughs> Colleen and I still struggle with Russian. <laughs> we, we get it, but... Not like our boys, but uh, our oldest boy, Robbie, five, he's out there, he's playing. There was, um, it's just kind of this, this, I call it a yard, but there was no grass, a bunch of trees, dirt, and then there were benches out there. And on these benches, the, the, the babushki and the djedushki, the grandmothers and the grandfathers from the whole area, they'd go out there and sit on those benches and watch all the kids play and soak in the sunshine. This is in the summertime. We moved in the summer. And um, uh, there was one bench in particular. Only one person sat on it. Nobody else dared to sit on it. It belonged to a man named Djed Sasha. 
Alexander's the full name. The nickname was, is Sasha, but they called him Zied Sasha. That's Grandpa Sasha. So he's an older gentleman, but he was huge. I mean, this guy was, was he was just big, big guy. And uh, he, Zied Sasha, fell in love with our oldest son, Robbie. For some reason, I, I don't know why, but he, he and Robbie just connected. Well, when I would go outside and I'm trying to watch our boys and I'm trying to learn Russian as well, uh, and, the, and the boys are tearing around and, and Robbie would come over and Zed Sasha would hug him and Zed Sasha would give him candy and Zed Sasha would do all this. I mean, Zed Sasha just, he, he really loved Robbie. Zed Sasha was a, was a five-time champion of the Soviet Union for motorcycle racing. I mean, he's, he's, he's your guy. I mean, the, he, was a, he was a stud, okay? I mean, he's just like the guy you want to hang around. The one thing he loved more than Robbie was vodka. And every time he would sit on that bench, he would suck down a couple bottles of vodka. And then he would just sit there for hours. And our Robbie's running around and he's giving him candy and teaching him Russian and all this good stuff. And I would sit with Dzied Sasha when I would go out there and I wanted to learn Russian. He's kind of, you know, off in the wind somewhere. But I, he, he would help me with Russian. Well, we, we'd been there a few months and Dzied Sasha one day invites us to his apartment for tea. And this was our first invitation in, in, into any of our neighbor's apartments. Our church people, there was one church when we went to Ukraine uh, and it had about 20, 21, 22 people in it. And we were in their homes. I mean, that was wonderful. But in our neighborhood, we had never been in the apartment of our neighbors. And Jed Sasha was the first one. So man, I came home. I was all excited. I told Colleen, I said, we're going to tea. Jed Sasha, he wants us to come to his house for, for, for tea. I mean, we're thinking tea, you know, and maybe a few crumpets, maybe, but tea. And, uh, and, and so we're all excited. Colleen was preparing dinner. I dragged the boys off of the, uh, off of the playground area or whatever out there. And, and, and I'm getting them cleaned up and Colleen's got the meal ready. And, and we're, 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 we're going to eat first because it's just tea later on. And so we had a meal and then we, we got all dressed and we, we marched down our stairs over to the next one and up to Jed Sasha's apartment, knock on the door. He opens the door. And as we look in the door, we see there's this in the main room, there's this huge table with people all around. So it's not just us. That was the first shock. As we go in the door and we're taking off our shoes there at the door, which is kind of the custom over there, we realize this table is packed with food. I mean, layer upon layer of food. The whole table. I mean, it tea. <laughs> That's later. That's after the, the feast. And I mean, literal feast. And boy, we bellied up to the table and had a feast. I mean, we enjoy eating, but, but uh, I mean, we'd already eaten, but you know, hey, um, uh, we had a great meal. I mean, a tremendous time. We're getting to know all of these neighbors and Zed Sasha's introducing us. And, and Zed Sasha knew why we were in Ukraine. Out on that bench, I'm trying to explain to him in my, my pitiful Russian what, what missionaries are and what we're, what we're teaching and, and what's the difference between our church and the, the, the Orthodox church and 
Jed Sasha knows what we're doing there. Jed Sasha and all of the neighbors were communists. They grew up under communism and they still believed it. I mean, even though there was no Soviet Union, that didn't change their beliefs. And communists, Jed Sasha in particular, and he, he explained this to me very clearly, they don't believe in God. They're atheists, no God. And the only thing that's real is stuff that's material. This is real. You can see it, touch it, and feel it. That, that's real. God? Where is he? We're sitting around this table, and eventually the conversation turns to spiritual things, to Bob and Colleen being church people and missionaries, and, and what are you doing in Ukraine? And we're going around preaching, and, and, um, and, and Jed Sasha, who was sitting across the table from me, he looks right at me, big guy, remember this, I mean, big guy, huge voice. He, he looks across the table, and with his big hand and finger, he points right at me, and he says, Bob... Can your God put bread on this table? Anybody? You want to answer that one for me? My answer was yes. Yes, God, God can do that. And Jed Sasha says, let's pray. Bob, you pray. We'll all bow our heads. Man, I prayed. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it in Russian. I was doing it in English, and nobody there spoke a lick of English. They might have known hello. And so I was just telling God what an awesome opportunity he had right there to win all these communists over to his side. And that, God, you, you've got to come through here. This, this, we're never going to get another opportunity like this. And God, if it happens here, this whole apartment building will be in our church. And I mean, I just, I laid the whole thing out for God. <laughs> and I was praying for bread on that table. I said, amen. Man, pot, eyes, heads popped up, eyes open. Everybody's looking for the, there wasn't any bread on the table. And Zed Sasha, well, well, we know about God. Colleen and I were pretty defeated. We used our boys as an excuse to actually leave early and head back home. We didn't even get tea at the end of the meal. We went back home very defeated, depressed, basically. We put the boys to bed. Colleen and I just, just prayed and said, God, what? What, Lord? <laughs> Lord, you've got to help us. We didn't know what was going on and what God was doing. We were working with the church. We were doing about a church a year, a brand new church every year, getting one started. Some good things were happening, but we were constantly thinking about Jed Sasha and that meal and that, that time that, that was at the beginning of our, of our transition into Ukraine. But as time passed and in churches and new churches and traveling, many of you have heard in the news about Mariupol. 
Uh, it's in southeastern Ukraine. In fact, heard in the news, many of you have been to Mariupol. Your church years ago, Lima Church, sent a work and witness team, a mission team over to Ukraine. We took them down to Mariupol. I, I think some of the members of your, that, that team that are part of your church here, they're in contact with the pastor down in Mariupol, even, even now. I mean, they haven't heard from him for a week and a half because the whole city's without electricity, cell phones, water, food, and all of that. But we went to Mariupol. The pastor down there, his name was Andre. The, the, the present pastor down there is Sergei. Andre, Sergei, they all kind of go together after a while. But, but he, that pastor Andre, he started five new churches. That church plus five more. I mean, things were happening in Ukraine. It was incredible to see God at work way ahead of us, way ahead of Colleen and I. And we just had to... We had to pray for sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know where God was working and how he wanted us to join up. That's the key. That is the key, folks. We were in our seventh year, getting ready to start our seventh church. It started with a man named Roma. Roma was, was, had just been released from prison. He'd sat in prison for over 10 years. Part of it was for drug trafficking and all of that. So he predated the, the, the fall of the Soviet Union when he was in prison. But while he was in prison, he became a Christian in prison. And he was discipled for over seven years in prison. When he got out of prison, he went to a, a, a church and, and he was working with a pastor. He was kind of a, an associate pastor getting mentored by a senior pastor. It was a sister denomination of ours. It was in that church when Roma was there that I, that I met him for the very first time. And that pastor had, had Roma working with, with drug addicts and alcoholics. It was a huge problem in, the, in, in Ukraine. After the Soviet Union fell apart, that tight border control that the Soviets had, that also fell apart. And before border controls could get set up by these independent countries, one of the things that just flooded the, the former republics of the Soviet Union were drugs. They just poured in. And in Ukraine in particular, from the ages of about 18 to 30, it was just literally destroying, killing off that entire generation. Drugs were. It was heroin was the drug of choice. And it was just destroying people's lives and, and, and literally killing them. And Roma, Roma felt a specific calling to minister to those people, drug addicts, in those ages, and, and alcoholics. Alcoholism has been a problem over there for centuries. So he started under this pastor a rehabilitation center. And it was there that I first met Roma. I was introduced to him. And, and the pastor's telling me about Roma and, and, and telling me that he, we're, we're getting him trained. He's going to be, be a, a senior pastor someday. Well, I'll give you a call when, when he's ready. Well, it wasn't too much longer that this pastor gives me a call and he says, I think Rome is ready. And he tells me why and gives me all of this, this stuff. And he's ready to be a senior pastor. Do you have a place for him to, to, to serve as a senior pastor? I said, well, we're trying to get our seventh church started down in Vinica, which was an hour from where Roma was, was with this pastor. Vinica is a city of about 350,000 people. And we wanted a new church there. And, and so I went down there with Roma and 
we went through the city and, and, and 350,000 people, there's, there's markets, open markets and all kinds of, that's where the drug trafficking was happening. And, and they were everywhere, the drug addicts and the alcoholics and they're laying by the dumpsters and Roma says, this is a great place. We, we, we need to get, so this is, God's calling us here. Let's start in Vinitsa. We were able to purchase a property, again, because of Lima Community Church. You guys helped with some of the money to buy our very first piece of property in that city. We started the church on a Sunday morning, and that Sunday afternoon that we started the church, we, we also started the Vinitsa Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation Center in the same building. It was just a day program to start with because that's all, the, all we had. But the program just grew just exponentially that eventually we started getting houses out in villages around the city and we turned those into rehab centers and they became places for 12 people or, or 16 people. Our biggest one was 24 people and they could live there 24-7 for the entire six-month program, eight steps, six months long. We saw God do miracles miracles. I have literally, I have thousands of stories that I could tell you about what God has done in the, we, we ended up with 12 rehab centers. 10 of them were for men and two of them were for women. They started doing stuff, reaching out to, to abandoned children, parents that would lose their lives in drug, drug overdoses or, and their kids are just literally left on the streets, no place to live. We would, we would take those, those children in. They'd be living under bridges and all kinds of crazy places. And, 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 and we started, to, we have children's homes and, and these drug, drug and alcohol rehab centers. I mean, God was just doing amazing things. We had a guy come to the, to the rehab center. His name was Vadim from the neighboring town. It was about an hour and a half away. It was a town, a city actually of about 400,000 people. And he came, he got into, into drugs and he has a wife and two children, but they, they left him and he literally lost everything. And he was a carpenter, a finished carpenter, did cabinets. I mean, a real carpenter. He's missing three fingers on his, on his one hand. I mean, he's real, real carpenter. Um, he, he came as a, as a drug addict. He, he lost everything. He almost OD'd and somebody told him about our rehab center. He shows up and he says, I, I, I need help. I was there actually the day he showed up. That's why I'm telling the story about Vadim. Vadim showed up. He wanted, to, he wanted help. He wanted to change. He got into our program. Two and a half months into the program, Vadim gives his heart to Jesus Christ. He's going through the, the eight steps that we had and he's only a couple months into it and he gives his life to Jesus Praise the Lord. Folks, he was a new creation. Praise the Lord. Vadim finished the, the six-month program, those eight steps, and God did some amazing things in Vadim's mind and in Vadim's heart. I mean, he was a new man. It was incredible. He got into our one-year discipleship training program that happened after the rehab program. And, and man, it was a deep dive into the Bible, Bible studies, preaching, teaching. He, got, he was an assistant uh, leader of one of the rehab centers. He was doing on-the-job training, for spiritual training for, for other guy, younger guys coming through. 
Vadim, at that time, Lima, you guys, again, were part of the whole economic development program that was established for these drug addicts and alcoholics coming out of rehab to give them a job, teach them skills, give them some way to make a living that they're, they're not getting back into drugs, getting back into alcohol. You guys helped with that. It involved everything from sawmills to combines to dry kilns to... Ah, making bricks. I mean, I, again, I could go on and on, but you guys helped with that. You, Lima community. Vadim, cabinet maker, guess what he did? He taught everybody woodworking. All these guys coming through, taught them word woodworking and, and fine carpentry. Eventually though, Vadim came to us and he said, God's been telling me I'm supposed to return to my home city. I, I, I got to go home. Somewhere there is my, my wife and my, my, my children. And, and I think God is telling me to, to go back to them. We blessed him, prayed for him. These guys in the rehab centers, when we had a new guy, a drug addict come to us, an alcoholic come to us, that are, they're just out of it. The drug addicts that came are usually semi-comatose. They don't even know where they are. We would pray. We would lay hands and we would pray all night long, 24-hour prayer for these drug addicts that came to us. These guys in the rehab centers, they prayed. They got in touch with God. It was an amazing thing. We prayed over Vadim, we blessed him, and we sent him back to his city. As we're sending him back, Right before we're sending him back, there was a church about a month and a half earlier that had just started in his city. When Vadim went back, he joined that church. He, got, he started meeting with the pastor. He got involved in that, in that church. He started bringing friends that he had from his past life, telling them there's a new way to live. And he's bringing them to church in his city. That church began to grow. The pastor calls me up after several months and he says, he says, Bob, we, we have, we've had regular attenders. He gave me all the numbers. He says, we, we need to organize. We need a church board. We need to be able to make this city. We need to be official. We set a date for me to go there and, and, and explain what that means to the church and, and what that uh, provides for them and, and how they need to do this and how to do church. They hadn't done it before, so I, I, I was going. It was winter time. I got on the train and I went to that city. It's called Chmielnitsky. Got to kind of cough when you do that. Chmielnitsky. I went there on the train and I showed up and was met by the pastor. He took me to the church and we had, we had a meal beforehand and then we had a, a wonderful service. Want to guess who was at the meeting? Vadim was there. It was the middle of the week in the evening. Vadim is there. And the, the pastor gives me the ballot that they had put together. Want to know whose name's on there? Vadim's name is on the ballot for to be elect, one of the potential church board members. A drug addict. We had a great service. At the end of the service, they handed out the ballots. We'd been explaining things and talking about things. And they voted. They elected their very first church board. And then we had a meeting with all of them. Want to guess one of the ones that was elected? Vadim was elected to the church board. <laughs> I Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
After the, after the, the board meeting, the, the church members had left after the church service and after the elections, the church board left after a, a kind of an orientation meeting. And Vadim was one of them, of course. And, but as he's going out, he says, Pastor Bob, when's your train back to Kiev? And I said, ah, oh, it's, it's not till much later tonight. And he goes, come to my house. We, we, we want you to come for tea. <laughs> I kind of understood tea by then. And I, I looked at the pastor, and the pastor goes, yeah, go, 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 go. <laughs> so I went with Vadim. We walked from the church to his house and get to his, his door, and he's sticking the keys in to open it, and it's making all kinds of noise. There's two keys and all this stuff, and he's trying to get this door open, and it's not opening, and finally he gets it open. I was in front of him. He wanted me to go first, and as I stepped into the door, bam, Man, I get hit with these two girls, one on this leg, one on this leg. They're both standing on my shoes, and I had to walk in, you know, kind of stiff-legged into the, into the uh, apartment, and, his, and his, the, his girls are hanging on to my, my legs, and they turn their heads back and say, Mommy, Mommy, they're, they're here, they're here. And, and she comes to the, the kitchen. I, I walked in, and you could see her head right around the wall, and she calls the girls into the kitchen to help her, and Vadim and I were on coats in wintertime, and shoes and boots and stuff. And then we sit down at the, in, the, in the living room and there was this coffee table in front of us and the girls were helping their mom and they had already started bringing out all of the food. I mean, it's tea, okay? We're having tea. But the food, man, it starts filling up and everything was pickled. It's winter time. The pickles were even pickled. I mean, it's, everything was pickled. The, 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 the cabbage was pickled. The cucumber, the beets, the carrot. I mean, everything, everything was pickled. And it all's in its own bowl. And it's all set on there. And it's getting higher and bigger. And, and, and all the cabbage rolls are coming out. And all, I mean, just the food's just getting piled on there. The girls sat down. They brought out all the teacups. and our, I mean, we're planning for the whole thing. And their mom tells them to sit down. And she comes out with the last tray. <laughs> and it's a big tray, big round kind of oval, oval kind of tray. And it was full, stacked with open-faced sandwiches. Little, you know, sardine fish things on there with cucumbers and dill and some sort of spread that was delicious. And she puts it on top of everything else. It's right on top of the whole thing. She looks at me and she says, Pastor Bob, would you pray? I couldn't pray. <laughs> I mean, eventually I did, but, but I'm, I'm staring at those sandwiches thinking about Jed Sasha and how I wanted to show him that tray of sandwiches. That was bread that God put on that table. God did that, folks. God saved Vadim, renewed that man. God called him back to his family. His wife, after, after several months, actually invited him to come home. God restored that family. God gave him the hearts of his two little girls. God renewed him, renewed that family. And God put that bread on that table. God did that. His wife gave her life to Jesus Christ, member of the church. 
His girls attended Sunday school. They're now, they're, they went through camps. They did the whole nine yards, the whole, the whole church thing. They're married to Christian young men now. Praise the Lord. We're here today for faith promise, making a promise by faith. It's raising money for missions. Because of your guys' giving, you sent us. You provided for us. And it went all over the place. God was way ahead of your money. He was way ahead of us. And God has done, been doing amazing things, amazing things. I know you've raised, I don't know, $240,000 a couple years ago, $260,000 I think this church year. You've raised for missions. That's above and beyond tithes and offerings. I hope this year, even, I know you're in a pastoral search and transition, I hope this year you blow the top off of $300,000. God is way ahead of us, folks. He's with us and he wants us to, to join him, to join him. The key is to be sensitive to this Holy Spirit and say, God, what do you want? How are you working? Where do I join in? Where do I fit in with your plan? God loves this world. God even loves Allen County. God even loves Lima. Even Lima. God, God wants us to fit in right here, but also over there. Look around at these flags. God wants to use us. Ask him, what do you want, God? He's ahead of us. God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for the years that you have worked so closely with Colleen and myself. God bless you. Bob, Colleen, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your obedience. Over the last two weeks, we've heard stories and testimonies of how God is at work in the world, how his spirit is still transforming, renewing, and calling us to participate in the work that he's doing in the world. One of the things that I've been challenged by in hearing these testimonies is that God still has desires for how he wants to use Lima Community Church. Even in the absence of a senior pastor, even in the face of uncertainty, God still has desires to move among his people here, to move among us. Like God's call to Abraham, he is still calling us to join him in his ministry to bless the world. My dream for us and for Faith Promise this year is that despite the uncertainty, despite whatever transition lies before us, we commit to faithful generosity like we never have before. What if in a season where maybe we're tempted to think that less is expected of us, 
We go above and beyond what we've ever pledged or given. This is, after all, how God has tended to move throughout the narrative of Scripture, working in unexpected situations, partnering with unexpected people. We know the needs and we've heard the stories of the work that is being done. Uh, In these next few minutes, we're going to be giving our pledges to Faith Promise. Um, You'll find these cards in the seat back pocket in front of you. Do you want to, you want to pull those out real quick? You'll see on here how you can, how you can pledge and how you can give. You can uh, fill those out, submit those. Um, There's some receptacles in the back. You'll also see up here on the screen. Yeah, we have a QR code. If you want to, if you want to pledge online, if maybe that's, that's easier, you can give by that route. Uh, Either way, I would challenge us to faithful generosity this morning. Let's see how God might be using us. Let's see how God might be calling us to partner with him in his activity in the world. All the weak find their strength at the sound of your great name hungry souls receive grace at the sound of your great name the fatherless they find their rest at the sound of your great name the sick were healed and the dead are raised at the sound of your great name Jesus worthy is the lamb that was slain for us the son of God and man You are high and lifted up All the world will praise Your great name There is no one like our God There is no one like our God Greater things are yet to come Greater things are still to be done in this city Greater things are yet to come Greater things are still to be done here God is still moving among his people. Would you say amen this morning? Amen. Uh, If you have appreciated the testimony of of Bob and Colleen, would you just show them your appreciation this morning? (laughs) 
Uh, and be sure to come back tonight here in the sanctuary at six o'clock. We're going to be having a conversation about Russia, Ukraine, and our geopolitical situation as Christians. Be sure to come back for that. Um, would you stand and join us for our benediction? I'll pray for us this morning. Father God, we are grateful that you are still moving among your people. We're grateful that you're still transforming lives, that you're still using us. Would you move in our hearts today? Would you continue to transform us, renew us, inspire us? Would you give us your imagination? Life is a gift and we're grateful for it. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Go in the grace of God this morning. Go in peace. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.